This episode is brought to you by Uptown Beer Society, a craft beer gang dedicated to making memorable collaborations with New York City brands and breweries owned by people of color. Learn more on Instagram at Uptown Beer Society. This week on Meet and 3, we head into the second part of our mini-series on global trade, where we talk about all things sweet, from chocolate and sugarcane to the cultural festival that accompanied the growth of the date industry in the U.S. They're using this romance and fantasy to say dates are exotic and you should consume them. I like to think of the food that we eat as archaeological artifacts, in part because the history of humanity is in the stands in your produce market. It's not like other foods. We have very like personal feelings about chocolate. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Life's a Banquet, a show about the highs and lows of all things edible, spreadable, pourable, and chuggable with your host, Orson Wells, and... (laughs) And Rosebud. Oh, well, hello. How's it going, mine friend? Uh, It's going fine. It's snowing here. Get the hell out of here. Oh, yeah. Snowing Hmm. sideways. Snowing in the center of the earth. I didn't know you guys got uh, got snow in there. So interesting. Oh, yeah. we're, we're nowhere near the equator or the center of the earth. We're just, <laughs> we're not even in the center of the United States. And <laughs> <laughs> then what are you good for anyway? Nothing. So, Nothing. Nicole, I want to tell you that um, I have a new boyfriend. Oh, okay. And I thought I would take this time on the podcast to tell you because I know everyone's really excited to hear about my love life. Um, he's very, he's younger than me, a lot younger. Um, and he's also smaller than me. And uh, he's a puppy named Butter. <laughs> you got a dog? No, but I, there is a puppy that lives on my block. We've had two dates, one yesterday and another today. <laughs> oh, you guys don't live together. <laughs> we don't, no. Not yet. I am planning on stealing him from his owner. Who? What kind of dog is he? Butter! He is... Okay, so first I'll tell you about his appearance, and then I'll tell you about our dates. So... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Butter is... He looks like he could be maybe like a golden retriever or like a yellow lab puppy, but he, his owner says he's a mutt, which makes him even cooler. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I was walking down the street, and... Like, this little adorable puppy. I mean, he's a baby puppy. Like, he's quite tiny. And he did the kind of thing where, like, when a puppy sees another... Or a dog sees another dog, they, like, bow down and and freeze and stay perfectly still. Yes. But he did it to me. And so I look behind me and I'm like... Then I turn to him and I go, who, me? (laughs) He was, was, like, lowering himself for me. And then I approached him and he pounced on me. That's so cute. I pet him and he bit my hand like a puppy does. And then today, I randomly went out for coffee, which I almost almost never do at, like, 3 p.m., and there, lo and behold, is Butter again with his owner, who I was like, you again, and the owner was like, <laughs> and I was like, bitch, I'm sorry if she, if you're a listener of Butter's owner, but I'm not sure you deserve Butter. <laughs> oh, so she's uncomfortable by your close relationship with her son. She's threatened, yes. Yeah. I have I that understand. all the time with dogs, and the owners, I completely ignore if I can. I just hang out with the dog, usually. <laughs> I was like, butter is cool. And she's like, 
Yes, butter is cool. <laughs> I was like, listen, lady, don't name your fucking dog butter and have it be so cute and not mm. expect me to fall madly in love with it and plot your murder and the theft of your dog. <laughs> yeah, there are these people that came to my old restaurant that had a tiny, 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 tiny Yorkie that weighed like no. point, 0.3 pounds. And his name was Dude. And <laughs> that's cute. I know, but I feel like they were not as cool as their dog. Like they, yeah. I would always be like, "Oh my god, dude's here! I'm so excited! Let's hang out! I love you! Let's get married!" <laughs> and they would just be like, "Okay, whatever." And I'm Here's... just like, "Don't name your dog, dude! And don't first of all, don't get a dog that's 25 pounds." Exactly. Um, they should be. They arrested. can't even. They can't even jump off the couch without dying. <laughs> That's like a suicide. It's like you have to, the people at the places are like, if you adopt a dog this small, you have to watch it at all times because they literally can die from jumping off of furniture. Oh my God. That sounds like, no, look, butter is very sturdy, um, (laughs) but I just feel like don't get an adorable puppy and then feel like put out when people are like obsessed with it. Right. Well, I feel like maybe I was just too emotionally involved right away and they were like, hesitant because we didn't really know each other that well. That's true. That's how I feel with butter. I feel like things are moving very fast with butter and I. Very fast. Yeah. Creepily fast. I Same mean, with dude. I really miss him. I think about him all the time. I today said, butter, I'm in love with you. Will you marry me? And I and think what, that's what turned the owner mom. off. <laughs> the owner was like, what's happening here? <laughs> Do you have a picture? Uh, no, but I will take a picture tomorrow when I hopefully run into butter. And, uh, before that, I'm going to contact some kind of professional sketch artist who does, who does like police (laughs) sketches and I'll describe butter to them and then have them send you the photo. Okay. That's really great. I love that. (laughs) Her nose is a little bit cuter. (laughs) You should take a picture, have the owner take a picture of you holding butter and get somebody to paint that portrait. (laughs) Oh yeah. Or when I'm holding it, I could just dash off with it. That's also a good idea, but she knows where you live. And then you would just run into her all the time. You would have to move. I'll move. move. I'll okay. move. I'm right. going to start packing up my apartment tonight. Well, get here. No one will look for you here in the center of nowhere. Okay, great. I will come to you and we will raise butter together as a family. Great. Okay, moving on. What else have you been doing? Um, I literally just minutes before I came here saw an article that said the Bernie meme is now porn. Oh, well, that's great for me. Showed a picture of a woman wearing the mittens, holding the male, sitting on a chair. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't interpret it that way. You know that I have a thing for Bernie. I know. Yeah. So, but, you know, maybe, I just don't understand what could happen from there, but I'm sure they managed to make it work. Yeah. Well, the Bernie meme, you know. Maybe it would be very funny if the woman playing Bernie then gets fucked by Joe Biden. <laughs> like everybody else in America will. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> Take that, liberals. You, you hear what me? You hear me, Ezra Klein? Um, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Take that, what's his fucking name? The guy who writes uh, Aaron, I was going to say Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr? <laughs> Aaron you hear me, Sorkin. Aaron Burr? <laughs> I met Aaron Sorkin. Oh my Might God. as well be the same person. Well, I have some news. Yesterday was my birthday, and it was pretty good what for did a quarantine do? birthday. Um, I stayed home. I did cry a bit. 
And um, I mopped my floor, cleaned the house, kind of like a whatever day. It was snowing here yesterday. And then Becky and Adam had uh, been quarrying for like a week and a half so they could come over for dinner. So we had dinner together. It was really cute. Cute. Yeah, we made like pizza and Negronis and we had shrimp cocktail and tartare and cake. It was really fun. That sounds cute. super fun. Did you make all your own birthday dinner? I did, yes. Obviously. <laughs> Not because I'm controlling, just because nobody offered <laughs> to do anything differently. <laughs> um, like, do you want to come over to my birthday where I cook your meal? Exactly, yeah. And then Mary sent me a Tamagotchi in the mail. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Isn't that cute? That is very cute. I know, I'm a pet owner now, for real. I wrapped your present, but it is still in my room. But it will leave. It will leave here. Why don't you open it on the air? You can keep it. (laughs) Because it would be too crackly. No, your present for you. My present for you. Oh, you're a sweetie pie, huh? Thank you so much. I much appreciate. Well, you haven't gotten it yet. You might hate it. Yeah. I made you a beautiful card, and I sent you some items. Oh my god, this is amazing. Well, actually, Thank you so much. I've been sent them to you. They're still in my room, but they're in a box. I've been thinking about trying yoga. That's what that do you ever do you remember at Breezy we one time found like an Us Weekly and uh it was like ask Mike Tyson twenty five questions and like one of the or twenty five facts that Mike Tyson tells us about himself and one of them was I've been thinking about trying yoga. And I always think of that every time someone's like, I've meant to do this, but like I haven't yet. <laughs> I just like that when people are like, I'm thinking about trying it. Like, <laughs> thinking I'm, about trying yoga. Considering okay. trying it, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm thinking about biting off someone else's ear. I'm not I'm sure if I'm going to do it. about trying medical school as a Oh, interesting. I'm thinking about stealing a dog in my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and then wetting it. In a ceremony. <laughs> well, I think that you could let her keep him and still marry him, right? That's Isn't true. It? Like and Woody then, Allen and Mia Farrow. You know, they never lived together. Yeah, and look how the, it turned out for them. They're so good. Happily, they're happy, I think, still right? Best friends forever. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> they, like, hang out all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the worst, like, ending of a marriage ever? That, like, your husband ends up just marrying your daughter after you divorce i think that elon musk's dad did some sort of weird shit like that i find that hard to believe he seems perfectly normal i can't imagine he had any kind of weirdness in his upbringing yeah no he uh he definitely has he seems like a straight arrow he seems like he has a musk to him (laughs) and i'm not (laughs) kidding he looks like someone who has even if his name wasn't musk i'd be like this guy stinks he's got a musk Speaking of Musk, I went on a bizarre internet rabbit hole search yesterday for Abercrombie Woods scent. Ooh. Do you remember that shit? Of course. I was an Abercrombie <laughs> 8 person, but I do remember Abercrombie Woods, of course. Abercrombie 8's good, too, if you find that. I don't even freaking know how in the hell, like, I read, I literally read a sentence that was like, I love Abercrombie Woods or something like that. And I was like, holy shit, I think I like that smell. I wonder if it's still around. It's not still around. They discontinued it in, like, 2001 or something, and then they brought it back in 2010, and I don't know. It's a, it's like that 
Gap grass scent that I love. The 90s. I know. All the scents of the 90s are gone forever, except for Dracar Noir. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> damn. And, like, and, cool water. And that's what you wear. Yeah, cool water. <laughs> and, like, Charlie Girl. Oh, I wish. I actually literally tried to find Charlie White at the CVS last time I was there. I'm really? regretting. Like I said. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about CK1? Oh, I never really liked that. It wasn't my... You know what I wore in high school most of all was uh, Clinique Happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. That does not mix well with BO. And the thing is, a lot of <laughs> teenagers have BO, or a musk, if you will. <laughs> and oh, they wear no. fucking uh, Clinique Happy with it. And it is, it's a thing. It's a vibe. As the kids say, it's a vibe. <laughs> it's a vibe. The Clinique Happy is also still around. Yeah. I don't think that it's my thing either. Really, Gap Grass was great. I like a vetiver, you know? What's a vetiver? Vetiver. It's a, it's an essential oil smell. It's in oh. a lot of scents. Well, excuse um, me. It also happens to be in Abercrombie Woods. I just, I, I can almost picture how it smells, if you will. <laughs> like the woods? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can picture how it looks. It looks like those old Abercrombie black and white catalogs that used to come right. in my mail even though I was never really rich enough to afford Abercrombie yeah I remember I remember like there was a time where like Abercrombie was very cool when we were like kiddos and teens and then like it became very uncool to be preppy like that mm-hmm. but I would love to go back to like the year 1996 and like look at what an Abercrombie was like and what their stuff was like I bet we would think it was cool again now no because well I possibly the 90s stuff when I really couldn't afford it like when my cousins who were richer than me they always had Abercrombie sweaters and I've since been thrifting and like seen some vintage Abercrombie so like the old school like 90s maybe even 80s Abercrombie was like well made and wool yeah. and like kind of Brooks Brothers-y um but then what I remember is my sister getting into their extraordinarily short skirts Oh, they yeah. had like those really short skirts and they I was had into those, that like, too. Spaghetti strap tank tops with mm-hmm. the Abercrombie logo. <laughs> yeah. I did that and I did the tops that had the bra, the shelf bra in the tank top and yes. very short skirts. Oh, very yeah. Very short and very, very thin eyebrows. I mm-hmm. fucking might as well have just shaved my eyebrows off completely. I mean, people did that. People did that. I mean, really, uh, my poor eyebrows, and they've never recovered. Never. Now they're all thin and patchy, and I have to draw them in. And that, my friends, is the circle of life. It is a circle of life. I just watched The Lion King, and that's basically what the whole movie is about. Yeah, the movie's about about white, stupid white teens plucking out all their eyebrows. (laughs) But I do have a real question about The Lion King, which I think think our listeners want to hear, which is, (laughs) why does Scar have a British accent? Like, why is he British? Did he go to boarding school, maybe? No, because he's evil. And as we know, (laughs) British people are evil. Who plays him? It's either, like, Sir Ian McKellen or, like, Alan Rickman. It's someone. Or, like, it is. I'm telling you. Is it Ian Holm? But that's, like, The Hobbit. Hold on. It's one of, like, the most just Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons. I like, it's not those. Yeah. Can you believe I remember that? Look at that memory on this one. And that is what Butter likes about me the most. My sharp as attack memory, even though I'm much, much older than him, I'm still very, very keen. (laughs) I'm sharp. 
<laughs> you can't get anything past me, butter. Yeah, um, he's like, I am subservient to you, alpha male. Yeah, he really, like, appreciates my know-how, and uh, he looks up to me, literally and metaphorically. Because <laughs> he's very tiny. He's just a little moochie moo. He's very cute. Should we talk about our topic? Oh, yeah, we should talk about our topic. Um, I'm which... excited for this topic. I would say this topic started off as wine, but then really <laughs> veered wildly off of that track. So it's just sort of like under the umbrella of wine, but really I'm not talking about wine at all. I'm talking Great. about malt liquor. <laughs> Amazing. Um, but what I'm talking about today is called Champale and not Champale, as I always thought it was called. <laughs> Fake fancy. Champale. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people who say Target. Champagne. Champagne. Uh, <laughs> so, Champagne, if you guys are not familiar, and you most likely are not because it's barely around anymore, It's it was a malt liquor that was sold to sort of be like champagne um, for the poor man. And mm. it was... It's if you just you should just Google it because there's so many amazing '70s ads for Champagne that you really need to have in your life. I think. And I was looking at some of them today after you mentioned that was your topic, and they are fabulous. <laughs> really, really great. Really good. Um, okay, so Champagne. We're gonna go all over the place here. We're really just gonna touch a little bit on malt liquor. I really think we should revisit it because it's a fascinating, fascinating topic. Great. But. Um, it is a brand of malt liquor. Technically, it was introduced in 1939 in wow. Trenton, New Jersey, hmm. by the Metropolis Brewing Company. Um, essentially, the Depression really messed, obviously, with... Sorry, post-Depression messed... So brewers, after Prohibition and the Depression, brewers were like, we are in trouble, man. Shit is crazy. <laughs> and... <laughs> Liquor was doing much better than beer, and they just kind of weren't really having the heyday that they had enjoyed in the past, where people would literally just drink beer instead of water. Right. Um, so they decided to... They also then, World War II came, they just couldn't catch a break, and there was rationing, so they invented... <laughs> they invented they, It is hilarious. I, it's, we think yeah, things are tough now, Try being a brewer in 1942, man. <laughs> Um, so they invented malt liquor, which basically uses less malt because their malt was rationed. Everything. They didn't have enough metal to make bottle caps. They were really struggling. Jesus. Mary and Uh, Joseph. (laughs) So they figured out a way to invent this thing called malt liquor. And in case you didn't know, because I didn't really know what the hell is malt liquor. I've always wondered. It is a beer with more alcohol than traditional beer 20 percent stronger than beer Whoa. as the crow flies um <laughs> and to super duper summarize how it's made enzymes are added to break down the complex sugars which then makes the yeast have more ways to make more booze it just makes it more alcoholic okay um and this is why i think we should revisit this because malt liquor is actually not ice beer which I thought it was. I thought it was like steel reserve and all that stuff. I right. thought that was the same thing, but it's not. It's, it's not, not like butt ice or natty ice, if you will. Yeah, apparently not. It's also oh. not alco pop, which is how they describe like, you know, like Z. <laughs> what was that? 
Zima. Zima, yeah. Z- or, Zima. It's also not hard seltzer like we have today, which I also thought it was that stuff. So we should really dive back into this and find out what, what is the freaking difference between all of these. Very interesting. Um, but back to Champagne. Um, oh, by the way, I got this information from a variety of sources. Wikipedia, Thrillist, Faithful Reader, which is a personal blog. Oh, wow. Uh, and the Trentonian, <laughs> ah, which is a local Trenton, New Jersey newspaper. Your favorite. Your favorite uh, local New Jersey newspaper. <laughs> so they came up with a way to make this malt liquor, and it was dry and bubbly, and so they marketed it as a champagne alternative, and they marketed it to wealthy white people. They're like, hey, guys, this is what you should be serving at your wealthy white gatherings. So they had, like, fancy names, like Country Club... Sparkling Stite, University Club. What? And Champatite. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sick and tired of that high-class champagne that tastes great and everybody <laughs> likes? Well, <laughs> try this malt liquor champagne <laughs> to wet your Champatite. Mm-hmm. Are you mm. hungry for cheap champagne <laughs> that's also not champagne? Um, but really... Nobody cared, basically. Uh, they they really couldn't get it to take off, and um, the people, one of the brands marketed their their malt liquor with an actual set of bridge cards because they wanted people to drink it while they played bridge. It just didn't take off. Wow. Um, then, in 1963, two years after Adolf Coors was kidnapped and murdered, the heir to the Coors fortune. Look Is that up. what happened? Yeah. Interesting. I think I did cores as a story, and I don't remember that. That seems like it would really have stuck out, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. They kidnapped his ass and murdered him. Um, huh. Which is not the best way to get a ransom, I feel. Absolutely. You gotta you gotta keep him alive, at least until you get the move. Did they get money? Um, I don't remember. I just, there's a great documentary about it out there, if you really want to dig into it. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very just interested. here to talk about Champagne. Okay. Okay. Pard, pardonnez-moi. That's French <laughs> for Champagne. <laughs> um. So in 1963, a dude named Dawson Farber, who to me sounds like an asshole because his name's Dawson Farber, but what do you know? Maybe he's nice. <laughs> he came up with Colt 45, oh. and it actually he wanted to advertise the fact that it had more alcohol than regular beer. And so that's why he put the little horsey on there. And um, I never realized that that's what that horse meant. So it wasn't that effective for me. Um, How could... Hang on one second. Are horses, like, notorious drunkards? Like, what's the the significance of the horse? I think it's, like, the horse is kicking his leg up. I don't know. They wanted to... Oh, right. Because they wanted to say that it had a kick. Oh, God. They're like, this horse is wasted. You could be (laughs) like this horse. Notoriously drunk horse. Um, Sorry. <laughs> so he claims that the reason that he called it Colt 45 is because of Jerry Hill of the Baltimore Colts. His jersey was 45. Who knows if that was true? Probably not. Oh, wow. Interesting. The Baltimore Colts, Colts then went on to become the Indianapolis Colts, in case anyone is not aware of that. Go Colts. <laughs> they didn't make it to the playoffs. R.I.P. Um... <laughs> 
So this line of marketing worked out better than the other line of marketing, but it's still, they were still marketing it to white people. Um, mm. Then civil rights happened and the corporations realized that black people existed. Um, mm. And so once they realized that, someone told them that they were black people that lived in the world, in the United States of America, <laughs> and they... Um, they found out that for whatever reason, malt liquor sold more to black people than to other people. Um, mm. They don't really know why that was the case. But once they found that out, they started heavily marketing malt liquor to black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they um, they had black people in ads. They, they had the Champali ads are like upper middle class people playing tennis and then also drinking champagne and then going yeah. out on the, on the night and, you know, they're like, this is how you live life. Drink champagne. Right. Um, you can take it from the tennis court to the club. To the, to the courts of law. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a lawyer drinking it. It's like the judge, honestly. Like, can we just uh, make a bargain here? <laughs> And then um, Cole 45 famously used Billy D. Williams post-Star Wars, so post-Lando Calrissian. And their ad was him sitting there smiling at you knowingly and saying, Cold 45, it works every time. Implying that if you feed a woman Colt 45, she will get so drunk that she will have sex with you. And it was... Oh, that's tasteful. Very successful in mm. amping up sales of Gold 45. And rape. And rapes. <laughs> uh, non-consensual sex also was, like, way more popular after that. Through Just the kidding. roof. <laughs> it's always been popular. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking uh, terrible. Um, Champagne was marketed... Like so. They wrote on this ad, it looks like champagne. It pours like champagne. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It tastes like shit. <laughs> tastes, tastes like, like <laughs> toilet bowl water. <laughs> it tastes like champagne, but it costs just pennies more than beer. Just pennies more. Wow. Have you ever had, wait, have you ever had champagne? No, because it's actually really hard to find. So in its heyday, there were three kinds. There was pink, classic golden, and extra dry. Today, there's only extra dry and golden avail. Okay. Wait, what was the champ- champatite? Was that a, a that kind of... A, that was just a different kind of malt liquor that they... Oh, got it. Because there's... Basically, they're like, it's sort of champagne. It tastes like champagne, kind of. Okay. <laughs> Inter- uh, I really wonder if, if anyone out there is listening... Congratulations for making it this far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if anyone out there is listening has ever had Champagne, please direct message us at Life's a Banquet Podcast. I would love to hear what it tastes like. I would, I know. I wish that I would have known about it when I was younger because I bet I would have drank it when I was drinking like Mad Dog and Boone's Farm and shit. It's like, it sounds perfect for that time of Totally. Life. Or Andre. Did you ever have Andre? Oh yeah. They would always, my co college cohorts, the boys would always go get 40s and i would always get a whole bottle of andre and drink that instead of a 40 same z's we would do that too we would sit in mccarran park and uh get like turkey's nest those like giant margaritas in the styrofoam cups from the turkey's nest and like then when we were done with those we'd use the cups to like have we each pour like a whole bottle of andre in and drink mm-hmm. that and 
that mm-hmm. is died why of a diabetic stroke. <laughs> yes, and that is how I died from diabetes, and why I have no memory of anything that happened for I don't know six years of my of my life. <laughs> um, okay, back to Champagne. There, so there were three flavors. There is also Jay Z, Ghostface, and Beastie Boys have lyrics about Champagne. Um, they mentioned Jay Z and the Beastie Boys both specifically mentioned pink Champagne, and I wish wish I would have known about it. Uh, apparently working for the factory in Trenton, which then moved eventually, but was a really fun time. You could drink on the job. Oh, yeah. There was, there was free champagne in the employee refrigerator, and you could just drink it while you worked, and it was totally fine with everyone, as long as you got your job done. It was a different time. It yeah. was the 60s. <laughs> but also the same time, because I feel like before COVID or whatever, like that was like the where office culture was going like come to we work like you can drink like beer out of our stupid beer keg all day and be really inappropriate in the workplace yeah but we won't give you benefits right no you can't have health insurance right. uh, but you like can they, have ipa they did give you health insurance at champagne um oh, well there you go and so yeah that's the whole story i wanted to end my tale of champagne with some reviews Oh, uh, that, thank the that Lord. I found on, on untapped.com. Um, here we go. Wow, this is just awful. <laughs> I don't know what to compare it to. Sweet apple cider mixed with all the Seagram's Escape flavors mixed together. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And another review. Tastes like prison hooch mixed with a dash of McDonald's apple pie from the seat crevice of a 77 Thunderbird. <laughs> That's clever. Did you write that? No, I did not write that. <laughs> that seems like something you'd write. It's funny. No, literally a 77 Thunderbird never crosses my mind. Um, <laughs> and this is a more real, like a real kind of review um, that they wrote. It's definite notes of champagne yeast, big notes of artificial grape. Not like Dimetap, but like actual grape, but artificial. <laughs> well, thank you. I would like, try that. I'm intrigued. Apparently, the the extra dry kind of tastes like nothing, so kind of like probably like light beer. I'm assuming. Um, Sounds like it would give you a headache. I wonder how it pairs with caviar. <laughs> well, the extra dry, yeah, I don't know, but the golden is very sweet. I think so. Mm. I don't know. It's probably more like Andre. Right. It's um, for kids. It's for little yeah, babies it's like for butter. Children. It's for butter. <laughs> it's for butter. Butter. Do you want a champagne golden? Because he's golden. He's butter. He's golden. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that's the story of champagne. Love Mostly it. Mostly it's for the the beautiful advertisements, which no one can see on this podcast. So you, I'm going to ask name. you to do a little homework, listener, and listen, check those out. Single listener. <laughs> also, listen to the, or watch the commercials. They're kind of dumb, but it, that's how I learned that it's pronounce champagne and not champale i think it should be champale champale it's italian <laughs> italian I'm oh buono gusto spaghetti and meatballs um okay great should we take a break yes we should okay bye come back please please lord come back butter This episode is brought to you by Uptown Beer Society. They're a craft beer gang dedicated to making memorable collaborations with New York City brands and breweries owned by people of color. 
Their Bronx Culture Series featured three beers made in collaboration with Gun Hill Brewery, inspired by the Bronx and Latinx culture. Uptown Beer Society works with underrepresented brewers and beer bar owners to highlight and celebrate cultural gems that make New York City so special. Learn more about their unique beers and where to find them when you follow them on Instagram at Uptown Beer Society. And you've guessed it. <clears throat> we're back. We are back. Hmm. We're better. And some might even say we're back and we're better than ever. So, Nicole, I'm going to tell you a story now about something that I, when I got into it, I thought I was going to be doing it as a joke because I thought this was a bad movie. Um, <laughs> but it's actually a good movie. I told you. It's good, which made it harder to make fun of, but it, it's still an interesting story. But, like, for some reason, the way with it, where this movie, like, stayed in my mind, it was that, like, it was a good movie at the time, but now we would think it was, like, really lame. Like American Beauty. Yes, exactly. Like American Beauty. But it's not lame. It's a, It really holds up. The acting is great. Um, the writing is good. You know, some of this this director's other films like they're good but they're a little bit kind of just like cheesy middle-aged like white guy perspective so i kind of thought that this was the same but this is pretty good um so what are you gonna tell us the other movies that he directed yeah he did like about schmidt and he did yeah with jack nicholson and like i think the descendants his name is alexander payne the guy the descendants yeah okay yeah so i never saw a batchman um anyway so i want to tell you about the movie sideways which (laughs) is a delight a true delight fun to watch it's great so i'm just going to start off quickly with a little bit of the history of wine okay everybody settle in Everybody settle in. I'm just going to tell you a very small bit about the history of wine in America. So wine in America, uh, at least from a colonization point of view, comes from Ponce de Leon, uh, which reminds me of, did you ever play that game in school, Quack de Lioso? No, I've never even heard of that before. Every time I hear Ponce de Leon, I think of Quack de Lioso. It was like, the quack de Lioso goes quack, quack, quack. I'm sorry, I'm singing. From San Diego, ego, ego, ego. Anyway, listener, if you've ever heard of the quack de Lioso, please call into the show. Anyway, Ponce de Leon arrives I in Florida. I always just think of, yeah, I always just think of the town, Ponce de Leon. <laughs> Ponce de Leon. They named after him. They didn't already call it that before he got there. Isn't that, wouldn't that be interesting if he gets there and they're like, welcome to Ponce de Leon. And he's like, I'm Ponce de Leon. What, <laughs> what a coincidence this is. I'm Does Ponce anyone know Quack de Leon? I don't know if that's what that means, but it sounds like it, you know? I'm Ponce. Yeah. So Ponce de Leon, your favorite explorer, arrives in Florida <laughs> at 1513. Um, and... Anyway, Wait, so is this guy an explorer or is he a conquistador? What is the difference? I think one is bad and the other one is also bad. So one, <laughs> one is more rapey and pillagey than the other. Yeah. Anyway, he comes to America. He wants to make some wine. So he steals the grapes from the Native Americans. The grape they were using at the time was muscadine. And they 
they talk about making American wine as early as uh, 1565. Then... Wow, I did not know that. I know. Then another uh, very kind of contentious personality in American history, Thomas Jefferson, Wait, attempted to... wine in Florida? In Florida. Isn't that interesting? Maybe. Tropical climes. Okay, anyway, go it's on. It's terrible to think about. I'm sure it was very disgusting. So Thomas Jefferson attempts to make... Uh, establish a winery and plant uh, Vitis Vinifera Vineyards in Virginia. That is a tongue twister. Am I right? <laughs> okay, yeah. look and at he's this. probably like, you know who should work these vineyards? Slaves. <laughs> exactly. It's not funny, but it's, it's true. Thomas <laughs> Jefferson was a shitbag. So anyway, he. Att- I'm going to read the sentence again. He attempts to establish a winery and plant Vitis Vinifera Vineyards in Virginia in late 1700s and early 1800s right okay great so now here, Roanoke. exactly so here's a little bit about what people are drinking in america today i will tell you something right now a lot of fucking franzia and a lot of yellow tail and a lot of barefoot wine that's the most popular wine in america it shouldn't surprise you from the things that, you know that this is what people are drinking but also they're cheap so whatever it's fine it's just yucky but we could have a oh whole yeah but you know you have to think about American wine, how it had a bad reputation until, what, like the 80s, and then won some sort of award at some point, and they're like, well, it's just as good as European wine, and then everyone's like, let's make it like European wine and add all this gross shit to it. Yeah. So this is what people are drinking a lot of, but I kind of almost want to make this a two-part episode because there's a very interesting story about both the Franzia, the House of Franzia, if you will, and also the Robert Mondavia estate. So there are oh, things that's I, so interesting. Yeah, there's also, more things I want to know, talk about. If you're in a pinch and you have to drink one of those, the sparkling wine, barefoot, it's fine. Is it? You just put some orange juice in there and you're golden or some how, Aperol. How do you feel about the Coppola wines? Oh, the Sofia Coppola wines. I also only drink the sparkling wine. It's also 100% fine. <laughs> yeah, not, it's not, not the good. best. It, it is veering into bad, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, so a new study, this is from The Week, by the way. A new study by Sonoma State University shows that Americans buy wine most frequently at wine and liquor stores, followed by grocery stores, and then at discount warehouses such as Costco, Target, or Walmart. The most common price point of American wine is between $10 and $15 a bottle. That's not surprising. To drink at home and $20 to $30 a bottle when dining out. However, when it comes to restaurants, 20% of the sample said they prefer to buy wine by the glass and 16% only 16% reported buying organic wine of America of Americans yeah but that's because people don't really know what the deal is with organic wine i feel like totally so the most popular do you know what, you, what the most popular grape variety in america is malbec mm no zinfandel no, that's Damn not even it. in the top five. It's Chardonnay, <laughs> folks. Oh, All those of course, right. dumb those housewives. California oaks. <laughs> uh, they're like, what do you have in, uh, speaking of butter, my boyfriend, right. yes. what do you have in a buttery, sweet, butterscotch flavored wine? Oh, a really <laughs> oaky Chardonnay from some kind of factory <laughs> winemaker. I don't mean to make fun of people's tastes. I'm not trying to be a snob about this. I'm more thinking of people who, in my mind, are like rich and pretending to be sophisticated and have taste, but they really like really shitty buttery Chardonnay. And I mean, those people are hilarious. Like, 
people just don't have an education around wine. So they you know, also I think that part of the reason potentially why Chardonnay is such the most popular grape is I'm assuming that most people who drink wine in America are old boomer ladies. <laughs> exactly. That is what exactly what I'm saying and I'm not I am not making fun of anyone who's drinking cheap wine because that's what they can afford and that's what they like. That's fine. I'm more taking a stab at those rich ladies who pretend to have a knowledge of wine but really like Chardonnay. Yeah, I just feel like making fun of people for wine, it's not something I can get down with because Me neither. I'm not into it. Only these specific people. You have to be rich. <laughs> If you're an evil, satanic, wealthy Karen and you drink that, then I'll make fun of you. But that's the people I'm pointing at. Yeah. Otherwise, it's fine. There's a local vinery. Vinery. There's a local <laughs> vineyard here that only sells sweet wine that my parents buy often. And, you know, they just don't know any better. Totally. And I think that, like, the thing that is not cool about wine and what makes people, I think, scared about wine and scared about talking about wine is that they're not going to know something or people are going to, like, judge them on their taste. And people, you should just, like, drink whatever you like and whatever is fun. However, Also, my again, parents don't even like, the, like, I've tried to introduce them to the, the other better wines out there and they're just not interested because they want that sweet wine. It's right. more palatable for them and that's what they like, so who cares? Drink what you like, who gives a shit. However, again, if you are a rich, shitty Karen pretending that you know about wine and gosling <laughs> oaky chardonnay then you know i mean here's go looking down. at you go go please perish um so the most popular grape is chardonnay followed by cabernet sauvignon pinot grigio merlot otherwise known as merlot and f- number five is pinot noir damn it i didn't get any of those Mm-mm. so okay the movie sideways comes out in 2004 it's got a 97 percent of rotten tomatoes it's starring sandra oh Paul Giamatti, Virginia Madsen, and Thomas Hayden Church, otherwise known as the Hawkeye, uh, the Hawkeye, yes, God bless him, the Hawkeye from Wings. Um, I feel like he was one of my first crushes in life. Same. He's strange looking, but so attractive. Well, he didn't look that way in the 80s during Wings, or the early 90s, whenever Wings was on. Yeah, he almost has like rubbery features that like look like he's been molded from rubber. Yeah, I think that you really get a sense of that in the movie, but... In Wings, he looks good. <laughs> I think he looks good in this movie, too. I'm into him. And he just has, like, a cool attitude. He was nominated for an Academy Award for this movie, which I think is awesome. Um, but Paul Giamatti was not, interestingly enough. Well, anyway. he makes it look so easy. He makes it look like he's playing himself in every movie. He does. I love Paul Giamatti. I used to see him. He's, like, the celebrity I've probably run into the very most in my life. I used to see him all the time, random places all over the city. It's very Here. weird. I've probably seen him, like, 75 times. Did you ever ask him out on a date? No. I I didn't. I didn't want to scare him off. He didn't <laughs> seem like he'd want that. I think he's happily married. Anyway, the movie grows $109 million, and it's based on a novel by Rex Pickett. Now, interestingly enough, I tried to look out, like, what year did this Rex Pickett novel come out? And everywhere it says that the novel came out in 2004, which doesn't make sense if the movie mm. came out in 2004. Wild. I know. It's very confusing. So I'm going to start you off with uh, some snippets from an article written about this movie called Age to Perfection, Alexander Payne's Sideways is Worth More Than a Glance. Now, this article written by Kenneth Turan came out in the LA Times April 1st, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's know why. Everybody is regressing, man. <laughs> 
I don't know why. And it wasn't like an article. I looked everywhere in this article for being like, oh, like it's aged well, like the movie's aged well. Like this was a great, like you should rewatch it. It's like a current review of it. <laughs> so he says, exactly written, directed with a surgeon's precision and trans- transcendentally, transcendently acted sideways brings emotional reality to a consistently amusing character comedy, making it something to be cherished like a delicate Santinez Valley wines that are out of the story's vivid backdrop. Do you want me to read it again? No, no, no. I loved it. <laughs> exactly written, directed with a surgeon. No. I'm just <laughs> is it, is, you don't have any more research? Is that why you have to reread this? That's it. That's all the research I did. Um, <laughs> For wine is Miles's okay. So Miles is Paul Giamatti's character. So the movie is about these two friends, Miles played by Paul Giamatti, and then Thomas Hayden Church's character. And they like Thomas Hayden Church's character is getting married like the next week. So they kind of go on a two man bachelor party. Uh, Paul Giamatti's like oh, like just a divorce like a divorcee, and um, Thomas Hayden Church is like an actor who's washed up and he's doing like voiceover commercials or whatever. And so they go to get away to the San Ynez Valley, which I think is, like, just south of where, like, regular wine country is. And it wasn't very popular until then. And they're very popular. They're, like, famous for making a lot of um, Pinot Noir. And so I'll go on later about the effect, the sideways effect about what happened with Pinot Noir and Merlot after the movie uh, came out. But anyway, so the article goes on to say, For wine is Miles' consuming passion, the great enthusiasm of his life. Listening to him talk wine is an education in onto itself. And he caresses grapes on the vine as if they were his true best friends. <laughs> Though the women in Sideways, which sidebar are played by the amazing Sandra O oh and the incredible Virginia Madsen, uh, Though the women in Sideways are not given as much screen time as the men, surprising to no one, they're written with equal skill and are essential to the film's success. This is especially true of Maya, a character who carries the burden of being its most humane voice. Madsen's ability to bring delicacy, sincerity, and soulful strength and caring to grounded individual gives the film an emotional integrity in which it would be immeasurably less effective without. Interesting. I just found that piece of writing to be, like, really clunky and, like... <laughs> Like, if we didn't have this compassionate woman, which was the only thing a woman could be, this movie would just be about wine. Yeah. But Virginia Madsen was so hot back in the day. She really and was. I feel like they really, like, dowdy her up in that movie, in Sideways. They kind of do. And, like, but Sandra O's oh's character is so cool. She, like, rides a motorcycle. She's, like, this fun mom, single mom who smokes pot. Then she beats Thomas Hayden Church almost to death with a... <laughs> the helmet of a mo- her motorcycle helmet when she finds out <laughs> that he's getting married next week. But anyway, the movie is very fun and it just like follows them through like <clears throat> wine tasting and depression and philandering and like all these kind of, it's like, pr- it's not about much. Nothing crazy happens, but it is actually directed with the precision of a surgeon. Isn't that right, Butter? <laughs> Butter's I here. think that there is something to say about movies like that. It is definitely like the perspective of the the aging white man, which is yeah. troubling. But there's something about Paul Giamatti that sort of softens that and just kind of makes it a little bit more palatable. 
Yeah, and it's very, like, I mean, it's so early 2000s, like, in all the food that they eat and the wine that they're drinking and, like, you know, there's, like, big hunks. Oh, so anyway, some of the food stuff, which I thought Mm. was interesting, they go to this restaurant called The Hitching Post. Well, that's where Virginia Madsen works. She works at this restaurant called The Hitching Post. I'm sorry, The Hitching Post 2, um, (laughs) which is in Buellton, California. And I looked at their menu now, and I just wanted to quick talk about what they have on their menu. It's, like, but this kind of, like, rounds out it like kind of summarizes what the vibe of the movie is just in like reading this menu so they're some of their appetizers they have roasted garlic slow roasted to a soft and smooth texture so it can be spread on toast with herbs roasted peppers balsamic and olive oil did they just give you the hunk of roasted garlic and make you smear it all they over make stuff? you do it yourself yes they also have your grilled fingers corn, are gonna be so smelly smelly fingers Grilled corn quesadillas, two flour tortillas filled with jack cheese, cheddar cheese, spicy corn salsa, and grilled and served with fresh salsa. Oh, yeah. I would eat <laughs> that. I know. There's a lot of... Okay. Like, but these are the kinds of things they're doing. And then they have, like, um, a fresh natural chicken breast. The highest quality from Cal- from CA. Oak grilled. Very juicy with a gorgeous flavor. $29. They, they oak grill just a single chicken breast? A ch- single chicken breast. Like on a Chardonnay oak barrel? <laughs> exactly. And then they have like New Zealand rack of lamb. Tender, distinct, yet mild flavor. Marinated in mild Cajun and garlic spices, comma, then grilled. 10 ounces, 47 American dollars, this place. I love that they're like, we want people who like lamb to like this because we say distinct, but we want people who are scared of lamb to also like this, so we say mild. <laughs> I know, it's for, it's for everyone who can afford a $47 entree. So anyway, that kind of just for me, like just hearing about the kind of food in there, like summarizes how like the movie feels in a certain way. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you don't, I don't. Yes, I feel like in 2004, when I was so very young and didn't even know what wine was, would have been like, oh yeah, I'm like, I respect this wine guy. But now I'm just like, no. <laughs> exactly. Now you're like, ooh. Um, okay. He's wearing exclusively polo shirts. Oh, and oh my God, the fashion. And so Thomas Hayden Church, I like wrote actually a note in my book when I was watching this. He wears like baggy chinos and then a really baggy buttoned all the way up to the top and all the way down to the bottom oversized like button down shirt untucked. Wait, Thomas Hayden Church does or Paul Giamatti? Yes, Thomas Hayden Church. They also it's just, so like, bad. Paul Giamatti looks so schlubby yeah. that like the fact that Virginia Madsen would ever deign to sleep with him is troubling to me. It is. And also like not only is he schlubby, but he's like grumpy and like always really drunk and depressed. I mean, he does have something endearing about him, but it's like, I don't know. Typical. Yeah. It's just like, I know I had a whole like thesis. I was like so sick of like the middle-aged white man getting a Renaissance. Um, and I was really angry about it for a while. And now I just like, don't care. But there's a yeah. lot of like middle-aged comedians coming back and talking about their divorces and somehow getting, you know, back in the, good graces of america and i'm like you don't deserve it you're old you're shitty you are mean to your <laughs> you're wife. wearing a polo shirt you have you no butt so sad and lonely but you deserve everything that you got you dumb piece of shit and get out of here mark Marin. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i love mark Marin. sorry i, I love take. mark Marin. No, um okay look so 
there was this thing that happened after called the sideways effect. And it was a real thing that was studied by universities and wine growers in which (laughs) Merlot. Did you major in it? (laughs) I majored in the sideways effect. And let me tell you, this was a difficult degree to get. I love Um, that you majored in it, but you never saw the film. (laughs) I had never. No, why would I watch it? I'm studying it at Harvard. Um, right, Butter? So anyway, like, he said that he, Paul Giamatti was, like, very against Merlot, and after the movie, since the movie was so popular, like, Merlot's uh, sales went way down, and Pinot Noir, which had never been super popular in America until that point, went way up, and, uh, he, like, they destroyed Merlot, like, the whole Merlot industry with the single movie. (laughs) Although it still is more popular than Pinot Noir, according to whatever article I read. Oh, poor American Pinot Noir. I don't even know what to say about this. All I, I want to, I just want to repeat that Virginia Madsen, the star of Candyman, would never have slept with Paul Giamatti, okay? I know she is the star <laughs> of Candyman. I was like trying to remember, like, what else has she been in? Um, okay, so a couple other things that I just want to like tell you randomly about the movie. Um, there's a scene when, in the beginning, when Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church go to like Paul Giamatti's mom's house and he like steals money from her and they eat dinner. They both got food poisoning from the meal that they (laughs) (laughs) ate in the movie. Uh They were, like, having diarrhea and throwing up. Um, Also, how old are they if they portray men in their 50s? I think they're supposed to be... Now they're, like, both in their 60s, and that was 15 years ago. I think they're supposed to be, like, 35. Although whenever I see movies about people who are supposed to be 35 who look, like, 45, I get upset because I'm now 37. Yeah, well, I just watched last... I didn't watch all of it. Please don't judge me. But uh, my parents had it on. The um, the movie where Matthew McConaughey won't... Failure to launch. Oh, love it. That movie he, is terrible. I've watched that several times with SJP. Yes. Oh, he just so won't bad. launch. He will not launch. But he's 35 years old in that, supposedly. And I'm just like, nobody that's in this movie is 35 years old. <laughs> I mean, I let's hope not. Because he looks... He, he's looked like he's exactly like... 43 for his entire life as, as far well, as like, I can tell. A man in a movie is allowed to be 35 I think or even 40 or 50 but a woman could never even be 30 in a movie. No. She's not, like, literally not allowed. <laughs> heavens, heavens no. Um, so here's a fun fact. So Thomas Hayden Church is with his in-laws. That's where Paul Giamatti comes to pick him up. And the house that they were at uh, was on Rockingham Place, like across the street from O.J. Simpson's house, where he lived no at the time way. of the murders. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. In 2004? Yeah. 2004. So 10 years after the murders. But, yeah, I don't know why they chose that as this as the location, but they did. Hmm. Um, Thomas Hayden Church uh, did a scene, because there's a nude scene in the movie where he comes running from, like, screwing some waitress, and he comes running back to the house. And so he did the audition you naked. you see both <laughs> Peen? You don't see any peen. He's covering his peen with his hands, which I feel is the biggest disappointment of this whole movie, honestly. Damn it. Um, And I did see this movie when it came out. Like, but I didn't remember anything about it. Okay. Because of your drinking so much Andre Spumante. I was so fucked up on Andre that I don't remember (laughs) a goddamn thing about this movie. But I'm glad I watched it again because it is, as I mentioned before, a delight. And Butter and I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> um, so the actors had to drink wine substitutes for most of it. Although some, uh, one scene when they were like all at dinner together, they did drink, well, at least Paul Giamatti drank real wine and he got completely wasted. Excuse me. They were drinking wine substitutes such as champagne. Yeah, no, they were drinking like <laughs> grape juice and said they made, it made them all throw up. There's a lot of barfing in this movie. Ew. Um, and then I just want to tell you a couple of fun facts about some of the actors. Paul Giamatti's dad was the man who was responsible for having Pete Rose removed from uh, Major League Baseball. 
Yeah, he's like a commissioner or something. He's like the commish. He's the commish. Oh my god, what was that? Dennis Farina? The mm. commish? Mm-mm. No, I don't. Let's look it up. Some other old white man with a belly and a flat butt. <laughs> <laughs> flat uh, butt syndrome. Who is this guy? It's Mike, some kind of... Mike Post is the composer of the commish. Oh, thank the Lord we figured that out. I've been wondering who composed the commish. Michael Chiklis. Oh, yes, Michael Chiklis. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. and also a great gum, Chiklis. Mm, yep, Chiklis. <laughs> okay, Sandra Oh was married to Alexander Payne for a couple years. The uh, from like two thousand, Yeah, from 2003 to 2006, and apparently they're still friends. Really? Uh, Virginia Madsen is the sister of Michael Madsen. Yes. And she is born on September 11th. 2001 no so she was way. only she was only three when this movie was made so i'm pretty sure that sideways came out before gray's anatomy right before sandra was on gray's anatomy or i don't I know wrong? anything about gray's anatomy i've never seen a single oh. episode well i've seen every single episode um do you love it i do love it it's amazing television trash i love it adore it hmm. interesting um, but yeah, oh, I looked at, okay, yeah, it was 2005 is when it premiered, so. Oh, okay, so it was after. It was. And then Thomas Hayden Church uh, made his screen, on-screen debut in a tele- made-for-television film called Protect and Surf. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my story of Sideways, a movie about a man trying looking for answers in the bottom of a Pinot Noir bottle. <laughs> also, why did he hate Merlot? I don't remember, did he say why? I think because, like, in the movie, he's just meant to be this kind of, like, kind of like a pseudo-intellectual. Yeah, and, like, a pseudo-intellectual. And, like, someone who's, like, you know, trying to know a lot about wine and flex. Like, he has, like, this crazy collection, but he's actually so broke that he's stealing money from his, like, old mother and, like, spending it all on wine and trying to be part of, like, a scene. I feel, you know, he's, like, looking for something. Like, literally, he is actually looking for something. He's very lost and very angry and sad. And, you know, in a way, an alcoholic, but in another way, like, I think, like, wanting to fit in somehow through being a part of something with, like, wine culture. Sure. And we should all feel really, really bad for him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, Paul Giamatti, that's, like, when he started to become, like, didn't American Slender come out, like, around that time? Uh-huh. Yeah. He's a, an amazing actor. One of the best actors of our time. And he was also, I was reading about him, he's like, I prefer to play supporting roles, which I think is really cool. Um, I mean, he probably just said that after he never got a leading role. He only got supporting <laughs> roles. I mean, this was a lead role. He's got right. a bunch of lead roles. I mean, American Splendor was a lead role, too. That's true. Okay, fine. You love it. Paul Giamatti. Call me. I know you're listening. Um, do you want to talk about our top, for top three today, our top three favorite wines? Yes. What are yours? My top three favorite wines are sparkling wine, white wine, and red wine. Oh, well, that's so specific. <laughs> uh, right now I'm actually drinking a Cremant from the Loire Valley. It's mm. delicious. Really, yeah. my three favorite wines are just different kinds of sparkling wine. I prefer to mostly just drink sparkling wine until it starts giving me a headache. I know, that's the thing. I love sparkling wine, but... Um... Lately, even more so, and especially with, like, sparkling natural wines, really, really gives me a headache. Um, yeah. I got very specific. I have three that I love, and, like, these aren't my three, like, 
these are my top three favorites of all time. Although my number one might be my definite favorite of all time. But I love um, from a really great producer called Cadenoche, mm-hmm. um, which we used to have a lot of their wines at Bruce, and you can still find them around everywhere. They're from the Emilia Romana. And they had a wine called, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but I think it was pronounced Caracciole. It's called Q-U-E-R-C-I-O-L-E. And it's 100% Mm -hmm. spergola and it's like sparkling, very dry, delicious. I love that wine. It's one of my... That wine is very good. All-time faves. And they're lovely. I was lucky enough to get to go visit them uh, on a trip, on a wine trip. And they're very sweet. And it's very, very small production and they're nice humans. Um... I also love number two, Philippe Bonnard, uh, the 100% Plusard. And mm-hmm. that's a producer from the Jura. And it's like a very juicy, like, umptuous, like, I don't know, just kind of chuggable red. But actually, it's, you know, it's quite nice. Maybe you don't want to chug it too fast, but I love that wine. <laughs> glue glue. Glue glue. Delicious, delicious, delicious. And my number one favorite ever, I think, for real, for real, is the Frank Cornelis and Susucaro. I do, of course, love that wine. It's a crowd pleaser. It really is. It's raspberry. It's juicy. It's delicious. It's like, it's a classic. And it's always a little different each year, but it's kind of like a, um, like a dark rosé. And um, it's delicious. It's really great. Wacky wine producer from Sicily. That Frank Cornelison. So Mm -hmm. those are three natural wines that I really like. And I also love Ed Hardy's wine. (laughs) (laughs) And I love Sofia Coppola's wine. Did I ever tell you that, like, my mom had gotten a bottle? I know I've told the story at some point on the podcast. I don't know why. But my mom had gotten a bottle of Ed Hardy wine from someone as, like, a Christmas present. Ooh. And, like, it was just sitting there. And, like, my mom and Rob don't know who Ed Hardy is, so they didn't even realize how disgusting this was. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say disgusting. How It was just, you know, if you like it and you're listening, that's fine. Um, they didn't realize how, what it was exactly. But, um, so I brought it in. Did you open it up? Yes. I brought it into Brucey and I told our wine director at the time, I was like, Hey, let's do a taste test. I just got this new wine. I want you to tell me if you can tell what grape is in it. And I poured him the Ed Hardy wine and he was like, Hmm, interesting. I don't know. It kind of, it's got a lot of watermelon to it. Like, is it like Pasarena? And I was like, no, it's Ed Hardy. <laughs> you just drank it, you dummy. <laughs> a lot of watermelon. Gross. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I thought you got that right. Tastes like <laughs> uh, suntan lotion and herpes. Yeah. Oh, poor Ed anyway. Hardy. He should have a middle-aged man movie made about him. I would love to know about the story of Ed Hardy. Maybe we should do that <laughs> for an episode and figure out how to tie it into food. But I, I think I'm open to doing another wine episode next week because there's a lot of... A lot to yeah. unpack here. You do the wine and I'll do the malt liquor and we'll have a grand old time. Oh my God. Okay, great. Also, I just saw, speaking of people that have life stories on television, there's a The Rock oh. origin series. Are you serious? You know that I love The Rock more than anything. It doesn't, I'm not sure how I feel about it based on huh. the preview that I saw. Because I watch okay. network TV now with my parents, so oh, like, interesting. I see all kinds of shit I would never see. Um mm. I also watch movies with commercial breaks. I made my parents watch The Martian last night, the Matt Damon movie where he's stuck on Mars. Oh, he should have stayed there, honestly. <laughs> I can't stand Matt Damon. It Sorry. Was, actually, it was like a great... I now like sort of, if I want to... Because I always, if left to my own devices, I would be in control of the remote at all times. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. like intense about that. But I've been, you know, I live with a family of 3,000, so I have to be a little bit more... <laughs> 
democratic about it. So I try to find, I still have to be in control of the remote, but I try to find, you know, fun for the whole family movies. And Uh it was fun to watch that movie with my dad who had never seen it because it is like an intense, like, what's going to happen next type of movie. And a lot of times you're like rolling your eyes because you're like, oh my God, this is so dumb. But it was fun to watch with the fam. I've never seen it. I don't like space and I don't really like Matt Damon. Oh, that's not fair to say. I don't really hate many actors. I don't hate him. He, he's not like a Jesse Eisenberg to me, but something about him. <laughs> he looks like he has a musk. <laughs> right, better? <laughs> you know, I like Matt Damon is so bland, but the one thing about him that I do like is that he married a regular person, like a teacher, and they've been married for a long time. Um, I appreciate that about him as too. I appreciate that about him as too. That's what I just mm-hmm. said. I think it's funny that we're talking about Matt Damon and we talked about Ben Affleck last week because he broke up with Ana de, Ar- de Armas. And this Not only did he break up with her, he literally broke her. He broke her cardboard cutout and shoved her in the trash. <laughs> Imagine what happened to the real woman. What a fucking weirdo. Yeah, so I'm not He's a Ben a Affleck. His face is too long. What's up? Yes, his face is way too long for his own good. And what is up with his, like, since this is a food podcast... Let's talk about Matt, uh, Ben Affleck's obsession with Dunkin' Donuts. Like, is he's really into it. He, like, eats it all. It's his, like, calling card. Not that there's anything wrong with Dunkin' Donuts, but in every picture I see of him lately, he's scowling and carrying, like, <laughs> a comically, like, large amount of wobbling Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Well, he coffees. used to have a bunch of pictures of him scowling and holding a cigarette, so maybe he's quitting smoking, and that was his mm. thing. There was a time when, I can't remember what actor it was, but they were really into um, Qdoba, or no, What's the, damn it, there's another Mexican chain like that, but it's not Qdoba, whatever. A Qdoba-like place, and an actor was constantly seen there, and it became, like, a thing, but this is, like, 10 years ago, so. Mm. I just, like, when you're in L.A., and you drive a car, and it's COVID, you just go to, you know, also Ben Affleck's in his 50s, like, he goes to Dunkin' Donuts, of course he does. Those are his donut years. And he's just being photographed a lot more than he normally would because he was dating a hot new young lady. Right. Maybe that's how he's dealing with the stress of the breakup with donuts. Packing his face full of mini donuts. (laughs) He's quitting smoking. This is my guess. Interesting. Well, Ben, uh, please (laughs) let us know. Obviously, you're listening. Sorry we've been talking such shit about you and your best friend. (laughs) You and your best friend, allegedly, from 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, If you guys are still together, please let us know. Anyway... (laughs) Well, this was a fun episode, wasn't it? You know I had fun. Did you really? Did you feel like you were right there in uh, the San Inez Valley when I was talking about Sideways? No, I did not. But I do like talking about celebrities. So it was fun to talk about Virginia Madsen and Sandra Oh. God bless her. I'm glad she had a career after she left Grey's Anatomy. She's great. Did you like hearing about my new boyfriend, Butter? Are you are you happy for me? I hearing about Butter. Yes. What do I'm you think so I should happy. do when I see him tomorrow, if I see him again? Because I know that Butter's owner is really getting suspicious of our love. And Take I'm wondering if I should... What's that? You need a photo. Yeah, I'm going to snap a photo of him. Okay, that's it. Next step is photo. My and sister in Chicago, thievery. they have a... A downstairs neighbor that had a new puppy. Now he's bigger, but his name was Pancake. Aww. And so when I stayed at my sister's apartment when they were out of town, I would go downstairs and I would be like, oh my God, Pancake, I've heard so much about you. And the owner was like, what? 
because <laughs> I didn't know anything about the owner or even the owner's name. <laughs> That's but I knew hilarious. so much about Pancake because my sister's dog is very cute, but she's an asshole. So she like terrorizes the new puppy downstairs. And so my sister had told me all about this and I'm like, Pancake, hi, it's me. Shannon's sister. <laughs> Shannon's sister. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yesterday he, I was telling Becky that like I really want to get a puppy. And she's like, what would you name it? And I was like, I'm not sure. She's like, you should name it Becky. <laughs> so I'm like, wouldn't it be hilarious if I na- got a dog and named it Becky after our friend Becky? We would have to name it fucking Becky. Fucking Becky, the goddamn dog. God bless Becky, though. We love you, Becky. We know you don't listen to the podcast. You only listen to one episode. (laughs) She would never listen to the podcast. She did listen. Um, Yeah, she listened to one episode. She's like, whatever. I feel like, you know, like I could just talk to you guys for free. I'm like, the podcast is also free. (laughs) Yeah, don't forget that. You're listening to this for free. Uh, that's why it sucks so much okay um we love you guys so much thank you very much for listening and uh hasta la pasta bye 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 life's banquet is powered by simplecast Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.